Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you on Tuesday, June 16th. The Giants, for all intents and purposes, ended their virtual off-season program last Friday. The NFL said that those things can run you know, for a couple more weeks, I believe, through June 26th. And I know that Giants rookies will still be uh, be meeting with the coaching staff up until that point. But for all intents and purposes, the, the virtual off-season program is over. And which means it's time for us to discuss what we've learned, what we haven't learned about the Giants, you know, before we get to, to training camp. And here to help me discuss some of that is good friend Patricia Trainer, who we haven't talked to in a while. Patty, how you doing? How you been? I'm doing well, Ed, but I was starting to think you didn't love me anymore. Oh, Patty, do we have to go through this again? <laughs> sure. You know I've got to you know I have to break your horns, Ed. You know oh, I've got to do it. Of, of of course, Patty, of course. It's just well, yeah, they're they're just there's no football, Patty. There hasn't been anything to talk about. So. I know. I know. And it's been hard to come up with things to write about. But, you know, look, the good thing about what we do is we are paid to be creative. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying my best to come up with stuff that, you know, people will want to read and, and take part in and whatnot. And it's been a challenge, though. I could use some football. That's for sure. We all could, Patty. We all could. So what I wanted to do today um, is sort of talk about the the offseason that the Giants have had, you know, such as it is, virtual program. We've had very little access to uh, to Giants coaches and players. We've talked to Joe Judge a couple of times. I think we talked to Dave Gettleman. We we had, you know, video conferences with a couple of players and and you and I, I noticed over the past few days, we took sort of different approaches to to wrapping up the off season. You did a sort of things that we learned about the Giants, you know, throughout the the virtual off season, the draft, all of that. I took sort of the opposite approach, the things that we didn't learn, because of the fact that we never really that we never got to see them on the field. So let's actually go through some of that. What we'll do is we'll kind of we'll kind of look at your post that you did on Giants Country, talk about some of the things that you know that we that we learned in, during the the uh, during the last uh, couple of months, 
And, you know, we'll talk about that. Then we'll take a little break and we'll talk about uh, some of the things that I wrote as well. So let's take a look at, uh, let's start with some of the things that, that we learned, you know, about the Giants this offseason. You know, and, and one of the things that you mentioned is that they, the Giants, you know, so definitely sought to really upgrade speed on defense. We, we have no idea how that's all going to play out, but it was pretty apparent you know, when they drafted so many linebackers that, you know, that's one of the reasons they said they did that. So just, just your thoughts on, on what they did with the the player acquisitions, Patty, and and what they attempted to do on the defense. Right. So the way I broke it down is uh, three segments in the article, what we know, what we think we know, and what we don't know. But uh, for the what we know column, as you said, one of the things that Dave Gettleman, when he spoke to us after the draft, he said um, that they sought to add more speed to the back end of the defense, which was a problem last year. If you remember, how many times did we watch a running back or a tight end get to the second level and just absolutely blow by a linebacker? or a safety in pursuit. We saw that far too often. We saw the same thing with tight ends going up the seams. You know, I I think I cited a stat regarding, um, you know, the tight ends and and, and the damage that they did to the Giants defense. And I know I got sick of watching it. I'm sure you got sick of it. I'm sure a lot of people got sick of it. And it was a clear indication to me that they needed to add speed to that defense because – If you don't have the guys that can keep up with these fast running backs and receivers and tight ends, it's not going to help your pass rush. And I think, you know, even though we don't know how it's going to play out and we haven't seen, you know, how quick is, for example, Cam Brown, the linebacker they selected in the sixth round. Is he like Ryan Connolly, a guy who, you know, doesn't have very many wasted steps, you know, based on what film's available, Based on, you know, the feedback we got from from Gettleman and from Joe Judge, we can probably say that they've added some speed, but how they deploy it and how it actually looks against other speed, that's still to be determined. Oh, most definitely, Patty. One of the things that we're doing at Big Blue View that we do every summer is we do our summer school series. And one of the things that we've been going through recently are different coverage schemes, cover one, cover two. We've also at this point hit cover three and cover four, all of which have their own pluses, their own minuses. One of the things that you learn as you study each one of those is that offenses have you know, coverage beaters. They have ways to attack each and every one of those particular defenses that, that you can employ and one of the ways that you have to you have to have speed you have to have range you have to have guys who can cover you know large areas to to sort of close those windows so i i at least like the emphasis i like the effort to uh, to add speed and athleticism to the defense yeah like i said it it was something that they've been lacking for the longest time you know they they tried to patchwork it through free agency and it wasn't working, you know, yes, you get a guy who maybe is a little bit more experienced in, in what he sees and how to react and whatnot. But on the flip side, you get a guy like, you know, Antoine Bidet, for example, who, you know, a very smart player, you know, uh, knew his stuff, a good leader and everything like that. But it was evident 
when you watched him on the field that he just couldn't keep up anymore. And that's the trade-off you have when you try to patchwork a problem area with free agents. And the older the free agent, the more likely you're, you're going to have uh, trouble trying to hit the jackpot, so to speak. So the Giants finally stopped with the patchwork stuff and they devoted resources to positions. And, you know, we looked at it, you know, not just at, at linebacker, but in the defensive secondary where they, they could have used some speed and more aggressive guys on the offensive line. Those were probably the three biggest areas on the Giants that, that were lacking at the end of last year. And they've addressed that by throwing young resources at that. And one of the other things that, that you talked about that we, we have all talked about during the course of the offseason is all of the attention the Giants paid to the offensive line. This is really version three of Dave Gettleman's offensive line rebuild. He walked in the Giants' door at the end of 2017 saying that that was one thing he knew he absolutely had to do is to rebuild that offensive line. I think that that judging from what you wrote, you, like me, with the addition of Andrew Thomas, with the addition of Matt Pert, with the addition of Shane Lemieux, with the addition of veteran swing tackle Cam Fleming, I think that, that you feel like this is might be the best offensive line or the group that has the best chance to be a good offensive line that Gettleman's put together. Yeah, you know what, Ed? I mean, you have sat next to me in the press box for I don't know how many years now. And how many times have I screamed about they don't have backup depth at offensive tackle? They, they're, you know, their backup depth in the interior is, is shaky. I've been screaming about that for years. So what happens is, is when somebody gets injured or somebody is not performing up to snuff, the coaches look at what they have and they say, okay. Do we run with, and let's take Nate Solder, for example, who I still say was banged up more than they let on last year. So do they say, okay, you know what? Nate Solder at 50% is better than anything we have as a backup at 100%. Well, you know what? I, I would not be surprised if that's what happened last year. So now in having added resources to that offensive line, they shouldn't have that problem. If somebody gets hurt, you know, if Cam Brown has to go in for a game or two because, you know, God forbid Solder or, or Andrew Thomas is, is injured, there shouldn't be that much of a drop-off. You know, same thing along the interior of the offensive line. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, they've got the new coach with Mark Colombo, who I think is one of the most underrated hires on that staff. And they're just in such a better place, probably the best place this unit has been in. And I can't tell you how many years. I, I I would probably have to go back to like 2007, 2008, that particular offensive line. Wow, I hadn't really thought about going back that far, but you, but you could well be right. Patty, one other thing in your post that I wanted to talk about, and, and, and you mentioned the wide receiver position and, and the feeling that they should be okay there. And I would agree as long as they're healthy. As long as Sterling Shepard plays a full season, as long as Golden Tate, you know, who's getting a little bit older, you know, doesn't begin to fall off the back end of the cliff, as long as Darius Slayton's rookie year wasn't a mirage, I still wish 
and am surprised that they didn't take a wide receiver, you know, maybe in the middle rounds of the draft, the fifth, sixth round anyway, where there was still some talent available. But it's really, for, for me anyway, it, it, it's about health. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And also add, you know, let me disclaimer here. I was also surprised initially, but having thought about it, where would that receiver have played? If you had spent the third round pick or a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick even on a receiver, where exactly would he have played? He probably at best would have been the number four receiver. So you've got Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, um, Darius Slayton, you've got Evan Ingram, Caden Smith, Saquon Barkley, all ahead of this, whoever's going to be number four. That guy probably wouldn't have had, you know, a lot of opportunity this year. Now, some people out there are listening and saying, well, what about in the future? Yes, you're correct. But here's the thing. Next year's draft class, early indications are that next year's draft class at receiver is going to be just as deep as this year's. So maybe the Giants and thinking to themselves, OK, you know what? We'll see what happens. We'll hope that Sterling Shepard makes it through and doesn't have any issues. We'll hope that Evan Ingram, you know, is finally healthy because Jason Garrett hopefully will, will use him, you know, differently than past coaches. We'll hope that Corey um, Coleman is over his ACL and can contribute something. So I, I know there's a lot of gamble in there, but I think that is what went behind their thinking and they're you know like I said they're going to throw in Saquon Barkley who I would suspect is going to be part of um, that receiving game you're going to see Caden Smith involved in that regard you're going to see obviously um, Tate who shouldn't you know as far as we know he's he's going to be available for a full season there's no suspensions or anything like that um, and Slayton as you mentioned and, and Shep so uh, there are options and yes it's a bit of a gamble but I think that's why the Giants maybe didn't go crazy as far as, you know, drafting guys. And then, you know, here's the other thing, the other uh, caveat here. Because that class was so deep, you had guys fall down the draft board and sometimes out of the draft that maybe in, in ordinary years would have been drafted day three picks or something like that. So who's to say one of these three guys that they picked up, ben, uh, Benjamin Victor, um Dylan and Mac, who's to say one of those guys in a, in a normal year might not have had a higher grade or maybe they had like a, I don't know, a, a fifth round grade or a sixth round grade or something like that. That's how deep that class is. So you can't really, you know, thumb your nose and say, oh, the Giants didn't do anything at receiver and, and, and they screwed themselves. No, you can't, Patty. And the one thing that I always remind people, and I know you do this as well, you can't get everything in one off season you you make your decisions you set your priorities you make the best choices that you can but you have a limited number of draft choices you have things you want to get done you have players that you like you have a limited amount of of capital in free agency and you can't just snap your fingers and and at least on paper fix every single problem you you set your priorities and, and, and you do the best you can. And it, that's what the Giants did here. And it just didn't happen to include, you know, adding a wide receiver. No. And, and if you look at what they did, they addressed their three biggest areas of concern, you know, and, and it goes back to what I said about coaching, you know, whether or not this was done intentionally or a happy accident, you have three 
guys coaching the positions, the, the defensive backs, um, the linebackers, specifically the inside linebackers, and the offensive line who at one point or another played the game. So they have a little understanding as opposed to somebody who maybe didn't play the game or who was a little further removed from playing the game. That's going to make a big difference as well. And, and, and I think, you know, if you're Dave Gettleman at the start of the year, you look at a team that, you know, had talent, but really, you know, needed a little bit of boost. And you, you, you make a, a kind of like a checklist and say, okay, where do I need to upgrade the most? And I think we could all agree offensive line was probably at or near the top of the list. We could probably all agree that linebacker was probably a close second. Edge rusher was probably in there as well. Defensive secondary was in there. And then, you know, from there, once you have your priority list, you say to yourself, okay, do we go free agency or do we go draft? And and you just kind of work through those progressions. But you're right. You're not going to get everything every year. And, and you, and you, you know, the things that end up on the bottom of your list, you know, you could say, well, do we have a, a, a number one receiver? who can, you know, who can take the top off of the defense like like Slayton can. Well, maybe not, but you don't know. Maybe, you know, Jason Garrett will scheme stuff open. Uh, maybe Corey Coleman, if, if he gets an opportunity, will be able to to recapture the speed. So these are some of the gambles that they take. And, and, and we've seen that Dave Gettleman does take gambles. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. But uh, that's what you got to do. You, you, you can't play. You have to roll the dice. Right, Patty. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break right now for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When we come back, we will talk uh, a little bit about uh, the post that I did, which includes uh, a couple of of other topics uh, that I want to discuss. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans, back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, Ed Valentine talking with Patricia Trena about what we've learned and what we haven't learned this offseason. Patty, I want to turn to... uh, to a post that I did and just talk about a couple of things maybe that are in that are in the post that I did that that you may have touched on you probably did touch on in your own post but uh, just touch on on a couple of these things that that I wrote a little differently than you did and for me one of the things you know one of the things about the offseason 
is we don't get answers to every single one of our questions. Coaches will always tell you that position battles aren't decided until training camp, and that's not always true. I think we learned that the last couple of years with John Halapio at center. The Giants denied up and down the last two springs that Jalapio, you know, had already won the starting center job, and, and lo and behold, you know, he was he, he was the starting center, and there was never really a competition. But there are things that we learn by being around the team in the spring, by seeing some of the practices at OTAs, by seeing the rookie mini camp and, and the, the the veteran mini camp. And obviously, we haven't had that opportunity this time around. So there's a few things that, that we didn't learn. And, and one of the things we didn't get a hint about, we talked earlier about the offensive line. We don't know which side Andrew Thomas is going to play. We know he's playing one side, Nate Solder's playing the other side. Spring practices would have given us a hint. For me, my guess is Thomas plays the right and and Solder plays the left but but I'm not I'm not really all that worried about it. I I think that's how it's going to turn out. Uh just just your thoughts on on what we might see there. You know, I I tend to think the opposite. I think because of the off-season workouts being canceled because of COVID, it makes more sense to just put Andrew Thomas at left and move Nate Solder over to the right side. Now, you're right. Joe Judge has said that has not said what the plan is other than he will, you know, the plan is to cross train guys at multiple positions. From my perspective, it's like, okay, if Andrew Thomas is your future left tackle, just move him there. You know, move Solder over. You know, ultimately, Solder is not in your long term plan. So, so let the kid get comfortable at the left side. If Solder struggles, now you've got, like I said, you've got Nick Gates, you've got um, Cam Brown, you've got Matt Park. Uh, if you want, you, you've got options on that right side. So to me, I think it makes more sense to play um, Andrew Thomas on the left side and, and move Nate Solder over. To your point, Ed, about um, you know the coaches and, and, and the depth chart, you're, you're absolutely right. Usually when we go in and we look at the spring workouts – the, the, what we see is, you know, the, we kind of get a loose idea of what the depth chart looks like. Even though coaches will say, well, there's no depth chart. It's like a blank wall. We know that's not true. Somebody's got to work with the first team. Somebody's got to work with the second team. And that's information we generally start to get. And um, you're right. that That's something we are missing. We can make assumptions, but uh, it's going to be a little harder, I think, to really say, okay, this is how it's going to be. And you know another thing that uh, that we missed out on with with lack of spring workouts and all of that. I don't know about you, but I was really looking forward to seeing what a Joe Judge practice looked like, what how Joe Judge ran a practice, how he interacted with players. I was looking forward to seeing how this entire coaching staff worked together. It's such an interesting staff with with former head coaches on it with so many guys who are coming out of the college ranks. And, you know, I was kind of interested in, in, in Jason Garrett and seeing how he sort of reacted and handled going back to being an offensive coordinator, how Patrick Graham, you know, began to put this defense together. So I feel like we just, 
we learned a few things about Joe Judge, but I, I, I feel like we just, at this point, don't really know anything about this coaching staff. No, I, I think... I think you're right on, on the surface, but we know that this coaching staff, Joe Judge said he wanted teachers. He didn't want guys who were salesmen. So if you kind of apply what you know a teacher to be, and I'm talking about a good teacher, you might be able to kind of get an idea of what to expect with the staff. But you're right. What 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 you miss out on by not seeing the practices are the little nuances. For example, how much time do they spend on fundamentals versus how much time are they spending on, um, you know, the installs, for example? Um, how many times during the course of a practice do they work with special teams? So little nuances like that, you know, is Joe Judge you know, floating from, from unit to unit? Is he standing off on the side? Is he riding around in a golf cart? These are all things you don't know yet so and they're, and they're important because every coach does it a little differently you know are they going to use music are they not going to use music are they going to use those big speakers that announce the, the, the different changes in the the practice sections and, and you know little things so that is still to be determined um, I'm sure Judge has a plan for how he wants his coaching staff to interact with these players I'm sure he has a plan himself as to how he's going to interact my gut feeling is, is you're going to see a very hands-on group that is going to be actively involved, that is going to be demonstrating, that's going to maybe not be yellers because, you know, you have you, you still have a relatively young group here and, you know, being a yeller is not necessarily, you know, a good way, I think, to, to go about teaching a young group. But, but you're going to have... Um, I don't want to call them cheerleaders because that's probably not a not a good word, but you're going to see a lot of encouragement, I think. And I think you're going to see a lot of these coaches really get into the thick of things to demonstrate stuff and make sure that these players are doing everything they possibly can to, to be successful out there. And Patty, the other thing, final thing that I really wanted to mention, one of the things that we see a lot in the spring and, and admittedly, we get fooled a little bit sometimes, but we we spend a lot of time looking at at the undrafted guys, at the unknown guys, trying to figure out which guys have an opportunity once we get to training camp. And you, you have to kind of suspect, I think, at this point that some of these undrafted guys might get the short end of the stick simply because with training camp, However, that's going to operate. There's just, you know, with, with no spring workouts, there's just such a limit on reps, a limit on opportunities. I don't know about you, but I've kind of missed just being able to get a handle on, on you know, does Javon Leak have a real chance to make, to make this roster? Which one of those undrafted wide receivers, you know, that you talked about earlier, which one stands out? Does a kid like Ryzen John, you know, making a transition from tight from Division II wide receiver to NFL tight end have a legitimate chance? I, I, I've kind of missed just being able to see those guys and 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 maybe you know get an idea you know which guys we should be paying attention to in training camp. Oh, no question. I mean, that's 
actually one of the, the, the most fun parts of watching the spring workouts is you come away and you say, oh, th- this is going to be my choice for a sleeper or this is going to be, you know, the player that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. But I also think this is where you've got to be creative. You've got to look at the roster and you've got to say to yourself, okay, where are the needs? Where do they potentially have room? So if you were to, you know, going back to your point about Javon Leak, um, who is a backup running back, this is a kid who can also play, um, be a return specialist. So the Giants don't really have a return specialist. If he lights it up, could he maybe bump Jonathan Hilleman off the roster? So you could say to yourself, okay, you know what? Based on that need, I'm going to keep an eye on Javon Lee because I think he might have a chance of bumping somebody off the roster and making this 53-man roster, or at the very least, the practice squad. Because remember, this year, starting this year at any rate, the Giants and all NFL teams are going to be able to bring two guys up off the practice squad to make it a 55-man roster um, for game day. So that's going to you know, factor into everything. So, you know, yes, you're right. It, it's always good to see. And form your own opinions. But I think you can also look at the roster and, you know, just kind of say, okay, where are the biggest needs and where might guys have a potential opportunity to really, you know, sneak onto the roster? Right, right, Patty. And I just wanted to clarify, I think it's you can bring up two players to your 55 man active roster. But I think on game days, we're still talking about, we're talking about 48 now as opposed to 46 in the past, correct? Yeah, I I believe that's correct. But the point being is, is you can increase uh, your roster offerings. So, you know, if you need a guy uh, at a position because a guy's a game time decision or whatever, you you have that luxury. And, you know, I got to go back and I've got to look at the actual, um, you know, the wording of it. But I, I think once you put him back on the practice squad, he's protected. If I'm not mistaken, somebody can't, you know, claim him off waivers, but I've got to go back and look at that. Right. I, th- I think you're right about that. And I like that. I like being able to, uh, to bring a guy up and down without necessarily risking losing him every time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's, and it's an opportunity for these players to get some valuable live rep experience, which they weren't able to really, you know, get if they sat and languished on the practice squad. I mean, the practice squad, actually, I shouldn't say that. It's important. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, some of these guys become perpetual practice squad players. Yes, they do, Patty. All right, I think that we have, uh, we've covered enough, uh, enough topics for today. Patty, I really appreciate your spending some, some time with me, Giants fans. As always, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.